0: this morning, you will soon learn what I mean by not having to turn myself on. Um, and the people here, they laugh because they know. Um, this morning, I would just like to welcome you to Cornerstone Church again. Just thanks for being with us on this Resurrection Sunday. This is one of the greatest days that uh, have, has ever happened. It is the greatest day that has happened in human history, because there was so much despair in the yet Jesus rose from the dead and, and today is the day we celebrate that and I have to be honest with you that to me this is a special day because 21 years ago I had no clue what I was getting myself into, heard a message, don't remember it, but went to the altar and gave my heart to Jesus Christ and I was totally transformed and I wish I would have known <laughs> what I knew now. You know how that goes but it is I celebrate this day as the greatest day in my life. It goes beyond the birth that my mother gave to me or my even my precious wife, my marriage or having four children that I love very much. It's nothing in comparison of meeting God face to face and him doing something in my heart. This morning before I get started, I want to just say thank you for everyone that gave their time and their efforts into Jim Viato's funeral. I would have you stand, but I, I just we won't do that this morning. But I just want to say thank you. You are a church that serves. And it is an honor to be a part of you and to see what you're doing. And we just we thank you for that this morning. And so as we get into the word this morning, if you could turn with me to Luke twenty-four. And um, if I was honest with you, like I could spend probably a couple hours up here this morning. But I know some of you probably have some cooking that you want to finish up before your Easter dinner, so I will let you go. And you almost think that's a joke, but I'm being serious. Um, but I won't do that to you this morning. So as we go to Luke 24, if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray before we get into the word this morning Lord Jesus there is no one like you and today lord every one of us are at a different at a different place in our lives but lord Jesus can i ask you to meet us this morning Can I ask you that you would take your written word and would you seal it on our hearts? And Lord, if we don't know you, that you would show yourself to us. Lord, if we're in a hard spot, would you come and show us that you are right in the middle of it? Because Jesus, there is no one like you. Lord, we have sung your praises this morning, and Lord, we mean the praises. Your people, Lord, mean the praises that there is no other name. No other name by which men can be saved. and There is no other name that is worthy of glory and honor and power and and praise. And so, Lord, as we gather together this morning to celebrate something so glorious, something so powerful, but if we don't experience it, Lord, we're missing out. So would you come this morning? Show yourself to us. And as I am your servant, Lord, I need your grace and your help. And so, Lord, be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we have kind of a great pleasure and a great honor to look at a story that has already been finished and already been completed. It's like a good movie that you're watching nowadays, you're sitting down and they start at the very end of the story, and then what do they do? They go back from that point and they kind of retell the story of how we got to this point. And you see, sometimes the story ends in great tragedy, sometimes it ends in great joy, but you just don't know because you just see the end of the story. And I think this morning it's not much different for any one of us. We know that Jesus is alive. As we've been talking about in the book of 1 John, the writer of that book actually tasted, he seen, he touched, he grappled with the Son of God. And we know the end of the story. So some of us today, you look at me in this bright shirt. Some of you are surprised that I can put on a tie. And I did ask my wife, hey, can I wear my black short sleeve shirt today or tomorrow? And she said, no, honey, it's Easter. I said, okay, honey, I'll do what you say. I'm a good submitted husband. But you don't know what it's taken me to get here. You see the story, you see part of my story, I'm preaching right in front of you. And see, I see you in all your beautiful clothes, and, and this is your story. But you see, again, if I was trying to, trying to explain this story, it's so hard because there's so much. But as I was thinking about it this week, and I see the Syrian crisis, as we all know that chemical weapons were used. And as they were talking about how this all came about and and, and they really used it, the intelligent community gave an interview and said, hey, we saw that the Syrian regime was actually talking to the chemical experts weeks in advance. But as the intelligent community said, we we couldn't do anything about it because you never know when it's going to strike. You can only go and look at the the evidence after something has happened. And then you piece it together and you realize that this was always going to be. And you see, I know that's a horror story. And and why do you share that? It's because it gives us an example that only if they would have known that this was going to happen, you could have stopped a great atrocity. But of course we didn't. Well, this story that I'm going to share with you this morning is even better. And the story this morning is wrapped in doubt, is wrapped in fear. And you see, as I begin this sermon, I will just give you the three points, and we could go home right now. But the first point is going to be hope, the coming king. The second point is going to be hope deferred, the dead king. And then the third is going to be hope realized, the resurrected king. And see, I'd like to ask you this morning as we get into the first point of hope and how we relate this story to our lives, every one of us has started out life with hope, haven't we? We kind of came out of the birth canal with hope, and then we live life and the future, if you ask a kid, what do you want to become when, you're, when you get older? And they would say a policeman, a soldier. They would name all these things. There's so much hope. Or if you ask a young married couple, what do you desire in life in the hope of a good marriage? Or somebody who started a new job, what do you hope? I hope my job goes well. And if you can think about the disciples just for a moment, as we talked about this on Friday, is they were beholding this very Son of God. They walked with Him, they talked with Him. Their hope was that this King of kings, who they had learned about was coming, and He was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, Then He was going to ride into Jerusalem, and He was going to defeat all the enemies of the nation of Israel. And the nations were going to be glad. And if you don't believe that they have this hope, you can see they're jockeying for position right before this day took place. Saying, Lord, can I sit at your right hand when you take over? And it made all of them jealous and mad at one another. There was so much hope. you see, last week we were able to look at the events of Jesus coming to Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And this was the fulfillment of Scripture that when He came, the Messiah, He would be strong and glorious, earthly King, who would deliver them from the Roman oppressors and from once again a great and independent Jewish kingdom. You see, the disciples were no different than you and I. They were full of great hope. But I want to ask you this morning, has your hope been destroyed? Have you been on that second point that we're getting ready to go into? You see, the first point was really quick. But the second point I want to just kind of hang our hats on just for a moment is that hope deferred. You see, everything came to an end at that time when Jesus hung on the cross for the sins of the world. Can you imagine what it was like for the disciples to to see their whole life crumble right before them? And so yesterday, if you took time to think of that aspect of of this holy week, that you realized that there was great despair, and I want to ask you this morning, and I just keep going over and over this in my spirit the last couple weeks, is that hope, there is a hopelessness within us. And you see, as a young child, my life was destroyed when a dad sat down with us at a table and said, I'm leaving your family. Everything that I knew was crumbled right before me. And maybe that's happened to you where your hope was destroyed through divorce. Or your hope was destroyed through an early death of a relative. And you see, if you wonder if you are alone today, you are not alone. Because we are in this together. Let's go to the Scriptures. Luke 24, verse 13. And I'll read and kind of give a commentary as I read through. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. Which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And I want you to know the language used here, this wasn't just your normal discussion. It was a strong debate. They were discussing amongst themselves of what had just happened, what had just taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And as I ponder this scripture, I'm wondering, like, Lord, why didn't you just show yourself to them in the midst of their despair? Why do you not show up when we need you the most? And I have a feeling if he would have showed himself, they would have missed the point. You see, in their greatest despair, Jesus showed up. And Jesus said this to them. What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still and looked sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? And are unaware of the things which have have happened here in these days? As if Jesus didn't know. It's really, I'm telling you, from last week, this is almost comedy relief. If you look at it from a different lens. But Jesus has a point. And He said to them, what things? And I think Jesus asked this question because He wanted to test and see where their hearts were. You see, it's no different than the question that He asked His disciples. Who do you say that I am? And so as He's talking with them, He's just wanting to get a gauge. And I want to ask you this morning in the midst of your season of life in the midst of where you are, what kind of questions is the Savior asking you? And these things about, and they said to him, These things about Jesus the Nazarene, who is a prophet, mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priest and our rulers delivered to him the sentence of death and crucified him. And then here's where we kind of get into the crux of the story. In verse 21 it says, "But we were hoping. that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, it is the third day since these things happened. And you just key on that phrase, "But we were hoping." Because this was the Jesus. This was the King who was supposed to restore the Kingdom of Israel where that Kingdom would be ever and ever. Oh man, that the throne of David would reign forever. And they said, but we were hoping. And then it goes on, and this is where I would say the BTW, which means, by the way, And it took me a long time. That's why I wanted to throw out that out there. Btw, by the way, this is but also, some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, exactly as the woman also women had also said, but him they did not see. So I'll give you a little backdrop to that scripture. Is in John 20, verses 8 through 9, we see that the women came to the disciples, and they did not believe the women. They did not believe, and they did not understand. So, Peter and a disciple went to the tomb, they ran to the tomb. And the one that came to the tomb first, which wasn't Peter, it points out in Scripture, he stands at the door of the grave and he looks in and Jesus was not there. And Peter, being Peter who he is, rushes into the tomb and sees that Jesus is not there, And then the second one goes in, and it says in Scripture, he saw and believed. And I want you to know, no matter where you are at this morning, that you can believe without understanding everything. Because I promise you, when that second disciple went into the the, the grave, he did not understand everything, but he believed that Jesus was no longer there. And so if you are one of those that think you need to understand everything, I want you to know that Jesus is still real, and He's still resurrected. And then Jesus said to these two walking on the road, O oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. And this is where I would say that God begins to throw out the divine revelation of all Scriptures. Scriptures right here you see they didn't understand and you see hope deferred means hope realized puts us in a state of misunderstanding all of life becomes skewed through this very moment because this isn't the way it was supposed to be And Proverbs 13, verse 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desire coming is a tree of life. You see, if you are full of despair and hopelessness this morning, I have a message for you. And in the midst of your despair, in the midst of your hopelessness, in the midst of your shattered dreams, there is a word for you this morning. But in the midst of it, we just cannot see Jesus, can we? And then we ask the question, where is this Jesus who said my life was going to be happy? Where is this Jesus that I expected when I gave my life to Him that I would always live in perfect peace? Or when I gave my life to Jesus that I would be financially secure? You see, this is what I would like to call the great expectations. And so often... I want us to know that in the midst of that hope deferred, that Jesus is walking right alongside us. And then let's go on to Scripture, verse 28. And it's hope realized. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. And in my opinion, there was something going on within their hearts right here. And we're going to see that in Scripture. In verse 30 says, when He reclined at the table with them, He took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, He began giving it to them. Now I want you to know that this is not the Lord's Supper. This is Jesus actually eating with His disciples. And here is a unique thing in verse 31. Then their eyes were opened... And they recognized Him and He vanished from their sight. And in my opinion, besides the Holy Spirit coming upon them and opening their eyes, there was something else they saw that day. And can you guess what they saw? When they saw Jesus breaking the bread, And blessing it, they recognized, this is the same Jesus who I know and who I was sitting with just days ago. And you could be in two camps today. You could be in the camp that you don't know Him. Or you could be in the camp that does know Him, but you're not seeing Him. And I want to ask you, if Jesus shows up in the midst of your reality and your despair, would you recognize him? You see, because when we're going through the hard times, we do not see him. And it's kind of like at the end of the story where you begin to journal or you begin to look and you're like, wow, Jesus, you were there the whole time. You were always there, but I didn't see you. And you finally opened my eyes. (laughs) And then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They were putting it together. And I will tell you, hope realized for me today Means that I no longer have despair. I no longer have loneliness. Even when my world is crashing beside me. Jesus is a resurrected king. And they got up that very hour. And returned to Jerusalem. And found gathered together the eleven. And those who were with them. Saying the Lord has really risen. And appeared To Simon, they begin to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in breaking the bread. But did you know, even in the midst of that, we learn from Mark 16, verses 12 and 13, that they did not even believe them. And I want you to know, whether people believe that Jesus is in your situation or not, is none of their business. You need to know. They're putting it together. And I want you to realize this morning that Jesus is right in the midst of your hope deferred. And I want to go to a couple scriptures to talk about this resurrected King. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 through 19. As it said, it says, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Just listen to it. There is no hope. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. You see, Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive. And I want you to know that if you have hope in this life only, you are to be like most men, pity. Because there is something that is powerful going on in the world today, whether we see it or not, and that is a resurrected king who has rose from the dead. In Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians 1 real quick verses 20 through 23. And you see, Jesus no longer is in the grave. And because He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Father recognizes and realizes there is no more need to pay for the penalty of sin. Because Jesus is that penalty. He took it upon Himself. And then uh, chapter 2, verse 6 says this, And raised us up with Him... And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So I want you to know that you, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are in the heavenlies. And that because we serve a resurrected king, is that God can hear your prayers and that God knows your very needs. And then Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, I want you to know if the worship team could come, I want you to know that you have won, who has blazed the trail of faith for you. He ran the race to, triumphant, to a triumphant finish for you. So this morning, as they begin to play, I want us to ask ourselves a few questions. And this is serious. What are you going through in your life? Where are you at on the spectrum? Do you have hope? Has your hope been deferred? Or have you come to realize your hope? But see, either way, no matter where you are at in this spectrum or in this race that we're running, is that we need to experience the resurrected power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I want you to know that when I went in 1996 in Easter service, again, I had no clue what I was doing. But the Lord was working on my heart because I had been met with so much despair and was left alone. But I went down and I gave my heart to Jesus. And a group of men gathered around me and just prayed over me. And as I walked up from that altar and got into my car, there was something that had taken place that I could not explain and that was the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to ask you, do you need to experience Jesus Christ? Because if you don't know Him, you will not recognize Him at this time or at a later date. But I want you to know that He wants to introduce Himself.